From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. And a very good afternoon to you. 101.9 High FM, I'm Kate Turkington, and we're talking travel. And things. And remember, you can get hold of me at kate at high.co.za. And I always like to remind you that high is spelled C-H-A-I. It's that Jewish word for life, for love. Kate at high.co.za or the website for our station is highfm.com. So there you go. I'm going to talk to you today about an island that actually time forgot. Nobody wanted this island. Ships could reach it, but because there's no bay there, you'd have to anchor offshore, and if you wanted to set foot on the island, you'd have to climb down, this is in the old days, you'd have to climb down rope ladders into very small boats that actually would be able to hide the very, very heavy swell, quite big waves that do lash the island now and again. Now, a few big ocean liners, big cruise ships do go in, not not many, and passengers are very carefully put onto lighters to be taken ashore. But what really put this little island, let me just tell you how small it is. It's 16 kilometers by 8 kilometers. Think about that. That's not really far uh, at all. It's a 16 kilometer by 8 kilometers outcrop of rock. Where is it? It's in the middle of the South Atlantic. Okay. Think of Africa. Think of South America and sort of go across the ocean from, let's say, Namibia, you're going across to South America, bang in the middle of that ocean is this tiny island. But what put it on the map, as I was telling you, is that one of the most important men the world has ever known was sent here into exile when in 1815. Those of you who know your history will recognize that it was Napoleon Bonaparte. Once he was the Emperor of Europe. He got defeated by the British at the Battle of Waterloo and he was sentenced to spend his life, the rest of his life, on St. Helena, the island of St. Helena. I mean, history obviously doesn't record (laughs) <laughs> what he said when he saw the the stark, sheer shape of the mountains rising from the sea and the very, uh, very barren terrain. But I don't think he would have been crying for joy, let's put it like that. But in the last few years, things changed because the UK provided enough money to build an airport. Now, That island's got no flat spaces. Even Jamestown, the tiny, tiny capital, it's in a narrow volcanic uh, valley. Do you know what they did? They blew up a mountain. Eight million cubic metres of rock were moved. They were blown up. The mountain was torn down and a very, very controversial airport was built. Why controversial? Because the Brits said it's a waste of money, it's our good tax money. Uh, The island's only got 4,500 inhabitants, all of whom, by the way, are English-speaking 
and they're all descendants of settlers, sailors, slaves, almost anybody who happened to stay on St. Helena. And they call themselves saints. And it's quite interesting. There's there's a, a, a couple of quite big pockets of the saints in the UK uh, now. So the St. Helena people call themselves saints. Now, how did I get there? Well, it's a few years ago now, about five years ago. Airlink, great airline, decided that they were going to start flights to St. Helena. And I was lucky enough to go on the inaugural flight of Airlink, the first ever commercial flight to the island. And let me tell you, one of the most scary runways in the world, one wrong move, the plane would plunge into the sea. Remember how small I told you the island was? The runway just starts at one end and finishes at the other. So you taxi down, you land on the ram- runway. If you don't apply the brakes or whatever, you're going to zoom straight down into the sea. And I actually asked the two pilots uh, afterwards. There was a woman pilot and a, uh, a guy pilot. And I said, you know, were you nervous? They said, no, they practiced so many times. And they said to me, were you nervous? I said, no, I wasn't actually, because I'm one of those people, if I know I'm in experienced hands, if I know I'm with somebody who certainly knows more than me and who knows what they're doing, I will give over to them immediately. So, of course, you can imagine inaugural flight, first flight, commercial flight ever and we were met by the governor of the island lovely lovely lady she's moved on now but in those days it was her excellency lisa phillips the governor who was actually a cockney kid uh, like myself and she turned out to be great fun very feisty, very outspoken, and I imagine a far cry from those starchy 18th, 19th, 20th century ambassadors who come before her, and she was the first woman uh, too. And, and her house, which is called Plantation uh, House, was built in 1792. Can you imagine? By the East India Company. Beautiful, beautiful uh, Georgian uh, house. Look, looked like something out of Jane Austen or George Eliot, one of these gorgeous uh, um, 18th century uh, houses. And she said to me, you've got to come back, Kate, because the island is a mecca, I'll tell you a bit more in a minute, but is a mecca for divers, hikers, whatever. But she said, you've got to come back to swim and snorkel with the whales, with the whale sharks. And I'll tell you more about St. Helena in a moment. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here, only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore, and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face, and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. Hi FM, 101.9, Kate Turkington. I was telling you, inviting you to go, because it's an amazing place, to St. Helena, that island in the middle of the Atlantic that sits plumb in the middle of the Atlantic between uh, South Africa or Namibia, actually, the coast of Namibia on the one hand, and the coast of Brazil on the other. And I was telling you, the South Atlantic here is actually a snorkelers and divers 
paradise. It really is. And so few people go there. If you are a diver, if you are a snorkeler, if you love marine life or birds, St. Helena is the place to go. They've got over 700 marine species that they've recorded so far. 50 of them endemic. You will only find them on St. Helena. And because there are no strong currents, I did say earlier, you know, when they used to bring the passengers in and the little boats and the lighters, it could get quite choppy. But when you're actually in the waters, dark, dark blue waters, there are no strong currents. So whether you're a total beginner, a novice, or whether you're an experienced diver, it is the most wonderful place to go. But interestingly enough, the minute you land, when you come in by that plane or from the sea, you just see these mountains and rocks and it looks so forlorn and barren. The minute you go inland, it's a cross between Lord of the Rings and um, Jurassic Park. It really is. You've got lush green pastures. You've got all kinds of exotic plants. You've got arum lilies in full flower everywhere. You've got ancient gnarled trees. It's a most fascinating landscape. And there isn't one bit, I told you a bit earlier, there isn't one bit of flat land on the island. So when you see the cows eating, it's like, I'm sure they've all got two legs shorter than the other because they're all balanced on the side of these green hills and the goats and the ponies, narrow, narrow, narrow roads. And the uh, the rules are whoever gets to the bend hoots and you have right of, uh, right of way. So uh, you can hire motorbikes, you can hire cars, uh, but it's a walkers and hikers uh, paradise uh in fact, you can, there's a very challenging coastline. Uh, you can explore it on foot. There's a network of paths and trails. Some not for the faint-hearted. Some, okay, if you're a novice and you just want to stroll along, plenty of those too. And in, right in the middle of the little town of Jamestown, the little capital, is Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder is comprises 699 steps, starts bang in the middle of the town, but if you do get to the top, you get the most spectacular views. I've got to fess up. We were only there for a short time. Uh, we weren't a very big party of journalists. There were only a couple of, about three South African journalists, but BBC was there and CNN were there, obviously, because it was a world-first uh, commercial flight going on St. Helena. So all the guys went into full ma masculine mode and tried to race each other up the 699 steps of Jacob's Ladder. I climbed a few steps and thought, well, I've climbed a few. That's me. Uh, uh, I'll do it next time, which I wouldn't actually. And then you can uh, go birding, you can go fishing, you can spot the little bit of wildlife there is. Photography, you'll be in seventh heaven. Astronomy, the stars, the stars are are. are I can't think of a word, David, early, uh, earlier on, or David, when I do speak to him, a friend of mine, I was chatting with him the other day, it's going to be, I'm talking to you later, he says, now travel writers use too many adjectives, incandescent, the stars are incandescent, I've just, uh, I've just uh, come to it, there's a couple of B&Bs, there's a fantastic hotel called the Mantis uh, hotel. The manager is a saint who lived and trained in the UK, now come back to uh, St. Uh, Helena. And beautiful, gracious 18th century buildings again. I got two firsts for myself, by the way, while I was there. I am a birder. I got the wire bird. 
what the wire bird. It's a small plover. It's what we in the birding world called an LBJ, really, a little brown job, except it's sort of grey and white. But what makes it so special, it's a little plover. You know, you see in crown plovers in your garden or on the golf course or on grassy open areas anywhere, about half the size of one of those, got long legs. Why is it special? Because St. Helena is the only place in the world where you will see the wire bird. So I did get, I did get my, uh, wire bird. And the second, <laughs> my second first was being hugged and kissed by Napoleon. No, no. Let me explain that. Meryl, uh, a saint, also trained and educated in the UK, uh, come home and he takes you round the uh, the cottage, Bertrand's cottage, which was once home of Napoleon's aide-de-camp, his uh, personal assistant, if you like, and then, of course, the house of Napoleon himself. And let me tell you how sad I found it and how philosophical one becomes. Here was a man, think about Napoleon, even if you didn't study him for history. Napoleon ruled over half the known world. Think about that. He ruled over the whole of Europe. One little man, he was a Corsican, he was very small, came from a very undistinguished family, made his way as a soldier, etc., etc., became emperor of the world. What was he reduced to, finally? He was reduced to living in this little house, has all his furniture there, all very small and very uncomfortable. But his last few years, and when I say he was small, he took size five shoes. His little pair of his little leather shoes are in his house, size five, so that's how small he was. But now they know he actually died of, of stomach cancer. For many years it was rumoured that he was poisoned, but now modern science have actually discovered he, he died of uh, stomach cancer. Do you know how he spent his last two years? There was a little leather bath, a little bath, made of leather, like a hip bath, you know those little baths. He spent almost the last two years of his life in warm water, in that little hip bath, leather hip bath, and his servants would come and pour warm water in it to keep it warm. If ever you think about Ozymandias, remember the Shelley sonnet, Look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Life is temporary. Do it while you can. Here's somebody who ruled half the world, reduced to a little leather bath and living on a little inhospitable island in the middle of the Atlantic. But if you can go there, it is a destination like no other. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here. Good afternoon again, it's Kate Turkington on 101.9 High FM and I'm talking or I'm about to talk to another travel writer, a colleague, one I have known for 
years. He's a travel writer, he's a travel blogger, he's an adventurer, he's all sorts of things. Welcome, David Batsoffin. Thank you, Kate. Uh, what can I say? What a what an introduction. I just hope I can live up to that. <laughs> of course you can. Otherwise, I wouldn't be talking to you. <laughs> okay. <Fair enough. laughs> First of all, I mean, I know a lot of the stories, but how did you become a travel writer, David? You walked me straight into that one, didn't you? I said I happened to to be on a on a radio station at the time, and somebody said to me, um, "There is a, a lady looking for writers," and I contacted said lady, uh, who said, "I know you can talk, but can you write?" And I said, "Well, I'll give it a bash," and I wrote her a story about a uh, a meal that I'd had in a restaurant in Irene. And I got a message back from the lady uh, who just happened to be Kate Turkington saying, is your bag packed? You leave tomorrow. Um, I got all excited, but it was to a tiny town in the middle of the Lowfelt. I think the hotel was called, oh, my goodness, be, uh, not, not Nirvana, but something ridiculous. <laughs> Paradise. <laughs> pa- Paradise lost. But it's, it's all, it's all thanks to you, Kate. Um, that, and that's how I started. I've been doing it now for almost 20 years. And David, you know, so many people say to me when I tell them I'm a travel writer, they think it's so glamorous. They think all you do is swan around the world, living in luxury, <laughs> doing nothing. Perhaps, perhaps tell us some of your ups and downs. Not quite so glamorous as it seems. It isn't. At the end of the day, people don't realize that the moment you arrive at your destination, uh, where other people would unpack, relax, get, you know, go and have a meal or something, from the minute you hit the ground, you're already working. In my case, I'm both a photographer and a writer, so I'm out taking pictures from the minute I get to wherever it is that I am, and I don't stop until I leave. And also, uh, what I don't think a lot of people realize, Kate, is that once you leave your destination, it's not over yet because now the hard graph starts putting the um, editing photographs, writing the articles, and begging somebody to actually accept them from you at the end of the day because a lot of the magazines, a lot of the newspapers no longer have travel sections. Exactly. Um, and it's very difficult to sell your stories on unless, like you and I both have our own um, travel platforms online. Exactly, exactly. No, you are. And I was thinking when you say you start taking photographs immediately, the minute I take photographs, I'm not in your league, obviously, but I can take some that do get into print or on a blog or whatever. But the minute I go into the bedroom or the bedroom part or the suite, I make a point of photographing it before I mess the bed up, before I put my hat on the, before I put my hat on the bed, before it becomes very, very uh, untidy. And as you say, it's not a, it, 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 it's not enough just to go and write an article, do a blog, or whatever, because you've got to give feedback. Because all you have as a travel writer is your reputation. That's the only thing you've got. You're actually very right there, Kate, because um, several years ago I was asked to visit a property in Machalisburg, and it was terrifyingly bad. Um, it's probably one of two experiences that I remember during my career where they didn't work out right. And the PR consultant, um, I sent him two articles, and I said, Article A is the, is the article that you'd like me to publish because it promotes your, your little uh, uh, conference venue and tra- um, article B is the one that I want to publish because article A will ruin my reputation um, and we agreed we agreed that uh, nothing would be printed so I had a, there was the first case but everything was was written the photographs were taken it wasn't as if I just arrived and said I'm not going to do this mm-hmm. I left it up to him um, but those sort of incidents, luckily, are, are few and far between. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I was doing a story 
early in the year, I was updating uh, Fodor's safari guide for Africa. Uh, you know, Fodor, as you know, is the big mm. international uh, travel company that gets, oh, wait for it, four million visits a month on their website. Anyway, I went to a very, very Lani Lodge, which shall be nameless, uh, up in the low felt. And it, it, the accommodation was wonderful and whatever. Everything else was very, very poor. And it cost a fortune. Now, I wrote a very bland review. Um, I said, it's lovely, lovely accommodation, blah, 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 blah. Then I wrote to the owner and I said, there are some things I really think you should know. And I'm doing this in the spirit of constructive criticism. Never heard mm. a word back. And I'm sure I'll never get invited back there. The, the, the entry I actually put into Ferdos was okay. I didn't rave about it, but I thought, how? bad-mannered of somebody. I went to a lot of bother to point out things that could, easy things that could be improved, but not a word back. But those places are few and far uh, between. You talked about one terrible trip to the Mahanisberg. What's your worst trip ever? And you needn't name names. <laughs> All right, I, sh I shan't name names. And it didn't actually happen to me. It happened to my wife. Uh, where she was almost electrocuted in a bath, in a jacuzzi bath that had gone live for some reason or oh, another. But, but it wasn't, that wasn't the event itself because the manager at the time, if Basil Fawlty hadn't been invented, <laughs> I met him at this hotel because he chose to deal with it so badly. Um, that we checked out of the hotel and then he still tried to, to pull one over on us, um, said, listen, stay for lunch and then try to charge me for it. So it, it ended up as a travel story. It also not only went on my blog. That's one of the few stories that I've put on into a national newspaper and onto TripAdvisor. And yeah. the owner of the hotel got back to me and said, can you take it down? And I said, no, I can't. I did approach you very nicely when it happened. You didn't want to deal with it correctly. Now you can deal with a spin-off. And I left it at that. But aside from that, we've had no, everything else because you know this, Kate, everything else becomes a story. In the moment, you're going, ooh, ah, whatever it is. I hate this. I don't want to be here. And 20 minutes later, it's all over and you go, I've got pictures and a story exactly. for the, you know, the, the, the next article type of thing. I went, um, I, I went once to, uh, we were guests of Israel tourism many, many, hmm. many moons ago. One of my first trips to Israel. And I went with three young women, all from, you remember those, I'm not mentioning names, but you remember those magazines in the 90s, those very glitzy uh, women's yes. magazine. Well, I had these three <laughs> young women with me who were more concerned with their nails and their hair. And we'd been in Jerusalem <laughs> a day and a half. Uh, I mean, and Jerusalem, I mean, you could be years there and still not discover it fully. Yeah. And one of them said, oh, I'm not going to do anything else today. I'm out churched. I'm out museumed. I'm out looking at things. I'm just going to go to back to the hotel and have a massage. Oh, <laughs> and, I mean, yeah. I mean, I hope she didn't last, and I hope, well, I don't think the magazine <laughs> did last, but I mean, that yeah. is not only, I hear in, what you, it's not yeah. only entirely disrespectful to your guests, uh, to your host, David, it's stupid and, and, and loose, as the uh, French would say. So, what about your it, best trip ever? I knew you were going to ask this, and my <laughs> best trip is always... My best trip is always where I am at the time. Um, I've just just returned from, from Cape Town, and I suppose I could call that my be best trip because I haven't flown in more than three years. No. So the mere act of getting onto an aeroplane <laughs> was quite something. Um, Cape Town is, is wonderful. Yes, it was windy, but you accept that. And we were talking earlier. Um, I'm not going to mention where I stayed. Mm. Uh, that'll come, that'll come up on the blog shortly. But the, you were talking about not putting anything on the bed. 
I don't know who taught their staff how to make a bed, but that was the tightest sheet I have ever seen in my life. Not a wrinkle, Kate, not a nothing. I could have bounced coins off that bed. I'm so ecstatic about the images because normally beds are a little rumpled and no matter how you try and straighten them, they don't. But it that because it involved um, a flight, I think at the moment that that is my it's best. Exciting. But I've had it's exciting again. I mean, I've had wonderful times in places like Dubrovnik, where because I'm a Game of Thrones, uh, we went for my birthday six years ago, six or seven years ago, and I, I had my birthday lunch sitting at King what was King's King. Landing. Oh, it no. was awesome. Well, you've got to go to Northern Ireland, uh, where, uh, I've been. oh, yes, yes, where winter, yes. oh, so many. I did the whole Game of Thrones tour there. I did archery. I did, I walked the King's Road. I went to the Isle of Pike. Oh, it's absolutely. I remember when you went because yeah. you went north and I went, I did Wild Atlantic Way. Yes. I was in, in Ireland just after you were. So we, I didn't get to do Game of Thrones, but I got to do the, the, um, Wild Western which side is of Ireland. I've done that. Which is stunning. Yes, stunning. 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 Now, what, what would you say to, as I say, Everybody wants to be a travel writer. Everybody thinks they can be a travel writer. It's a bit like everybody thinks they can write a book, and maybe many people can. Yep. But but what advice would you give to somebody who would potentially like to become, even if it was um, not full-time, just now and again, uh, a travel writer? Mm. I think the first thing, Kate, is integrity. If you contact... Um, a hotel, a guest house, whatever, and say, this is who I am, this is what I do, this is what I can offer you, then do it. Don't go get a free holiday and never write a oh, thing. No. Or well, write or write five or ten words. If you if they're going to spend um five thousand Rand on you for an evening, then give them their money's worth. Write a a five or eight hundred word uh, piece and five nice images and then post it. It only has to be put on Facebook. You can put it on Facebook. You can put exactly. it on Instagram. You don't have to have a blog. You don't have to have any access into a, into a, a magazine or an in-flight magazine or even an online magazine. But bottom line is if you promise them, come up with the goods because your name, you will sully your name in 20 minutes. The, and that'll be, the end. that'll be the end of your career. Totally, totally. Your first trip will be your last. And if you don't think this industry talks to each other, exactly. try and do that. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it doesn't matter what province you're in, they all talk to each other. And comes in Darba and everybody goes, oh, did so-and-so try and stay with you? Yes. Oh, and and Exactly. You know, so end of story. And I think, too, the few travel magazines are left. I would always give the advice to read them, see what the style of the magazine or newspaper is. And when you submit your article, obviously it's you and your unique voice, but you're also looking at who the readers are, uh, who is your Correct. audience. That's so, so uh, important, the too. You know, to, to tap into that, Kate, I, I write for one particular in-flight magazine quite regularly. And the editor often says to me, there's too much I in this um, article that you've submitted. Can you make it more generic? And you have to learn very quickly not to be precious about your words. If he says take out the eyes, take out the eyes. Make it we, they, you, whatever, because the readers want to feel that this is an experience that they could have, exactly. not just reading about your, it, exactly. it is your experience, but in, as they say in the, in the classics, include them in. Yes. It's share like telling it. an in-joke on radio. Share it. Make, make sure that they can go, my, I suppose in a way, if I may, my, um, ISP, uh, my unique selling point is the fact that 
I will find something that other people might not see. Exactly. Take a photograph of that, and that, that goes into my article. So the people who go and visit after me will go, David saw a chair somewhere. I wonder where, oh, there's the chair. Yes. yes. Just gives them a bit of a, sort of a, a treasure hunt. Exactly. When they get to, to wherever they're going. And, and just something a little bit extra. And as you quite correctly pointed out, don't, don't uh, cancel your unique voice. Um, I'm sure you found it because you've been in this industry longer than I, and you, uh, you're an incredible woman, and you're respected by all of us who have followed in your footsteps. But if you, if people say to you, if this is good and bad, we can hear your voice when we read your writing. Exactly. Exactly. Keep that because that's what makes you special and makes you makes people be- and and believe believe in you rather than you just trot out um trite adjectives because i'm sure you've had that i've oh. i've written stuff where where they they've turned me down because they said there's not enough adjectives in this stuff and i go but it's a casino i don't like casinos i've taken out all that no, we'll pay you for the article, but we're not going to use it. That's fine, but the other the other danger, David, for a wannabe travel writer, and I have encountered this so often with people I've given tasks or given commissions to. They plagiarise, so they will go to the website and they will lift word for word what the website says, and then present it as some article. Of their own. No, 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 yeah. no. You can't. But uh, you, there's, yeah, there are, there are, uh, um, apps now that will pick that up very quickly. Exactly. And also, if, if you start reading and it's their voice, and then halfway through the voice changes, you sort of go, hang on a second, what's happened here? You know, <laughs> two minutes ago they couldn't, there was not a single word bigger than three letters. And now all of a sudden they're using every letter in the alphabet in one word. This is definitely not them. If you're going to lift, then at least credit correctly. Exactly. And uh, I, I've said to don't if, hide it. if I read one more website which uses the word nestle, this this large <laughs> nestles nestles in the Mahalisburg. It nestles in Sabi San. Oh for Goodness sake, uh, they, or, or we get another African sunset with all the trite truisms and the cliches and they, oh, it, it's painful. Now, do you have a... No, that, that, yeah, the, the, the nestle gets to me and that PR companies are still oh, using oh, that word. Purple you, prose. You think of the thing... No, there's, you think that there's a, that the thesaurus is there for no reason. Look up an alternative for nestled people. Really. <laughs> or, pur- or purple prose. Or, or now a lot, uh, a lot yeah. of the websites are going very spiritual. Uh, come and find yes. your inner soul. Uh, in nature, uh, here. <laughs> anyway, that's some good advice. If you are listening and, and you want to be a travel writer. Now, David, do you have a favorite destination? I know you said yes. where you are at the moment, but come on, topping all, there must be yes. one. Yes. No, th- there is one. And, and that's a place called Idube in the Sabi Sands. Um, there is something about Sabi Sands and leopard sightings yes. that just yes. speaks to me. It's not an over the top camp because both you and I have been to those 40,000 rand a night places with gold taps and all of that type of stuff. But this is down home, really great accommodation, good food, but the sightings are fantastic. Well, you know that, you know that Sabi Sand has the highest concentration of leopards in the world. And I've said on this program, yeah, a a couple of weeks ago, or a 
short while ago I was saying too what leopards are to Sabisan, so wild dogs are to Medikwe. If you want to go see wild exactly mind you, yes. I saw yesterday on Facebook I belong to a Kruger Park group and there was a wonderful po- photograph of a pack of over twenty wild dogs crossing the wow. Sabi River very near Skakusa. Um so so and and uh, last thing, uh, David, where what's on your bucket? I'm sure you've got lots on your bucket list, but do you have a special uh, top of bucket list? Yes. Top of bucket list would probably be Antarctica. Yes. That's I I would love to go there, but I know that cost wise oh. it's it's all it's beyond prohibitive it at is. the moment. That followed by base camp Everest. Perhaps, but but Antarctica well, you know is. You know, yeah. I've done both. <laughs> I, was I know lucky, you have. I was lucky enough to travel to Antarctica when, uh, you know, I think the first trip I did must be over twenty years ago. The last trip about fifteen years ago, I went again mm. uh, uh, quite quickly, and. Every space camp is, it's great, but it's quite squalid. I mean, we were on the Tibet side, and I mean, first of all, you're gasping for air, (gasps) because I forget, I think it's over 17,000 feet, I can't do meters. Space camp Everest is higher than than the top of Kilimanjaro. It depends whether you're on the pole side or the Tibet side, and of course, now China won't let you climb from the Tibet side. I wasn't climbing, don't think that. I took a bus for (laughs) about 12 kilometers, (laughs) and then we walked, we walk the last six kilometers and it's the one that they it's the last one the climbers go to before uh, they start Correct. to climb and it's actually quite squalid there are snotty nosed kids in tents and mangy looking dogs running around and quite a lot of litter and stuff it wasn't very it wasn't very glamorous but it was wonderful <laughs> but but I was lucky enough and I, I'm sure I've shared this with you uh, we arrived uh, with the uh, this um what was it called a rustic hostel rustic doesn't even begin to describe <laughs> it but it was uh, the best view they'd had of Everest in 17 years and we arrived at lunchtime and we sat on the flat roof of this simple hostel and drank warm beer and ate greasy noodles and then as the sun went down it was the most spectacular sunset I've ever seen and then of course the full moon came up so the full moon and Everest it was it was just yeah. it was just unbelievable so Cold anyway timing, well Kate. you will get there David you know I come from a long line of Yorkshire witches I'll try and make a magic <laughs> potion I'll try and make a magic potion of you and uh, see you. <laughs> uh, see if we can get you there okay thanks so much that's david batsoffen and his where his travel blog is travel and things www dot we don't need to say www not dot now it's travel and things and it's really worth looking at it has lots of stories great places to go opportunities to uh, look at okay We'll be back, or I'll be back, or we'll, my team, Uzi and Harry and I, will be back. Uzi's my controller, Harry's my producer, and we three will be back after the break. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face and K-Way Adventure Gear. 
Cape Union Mart. The adventure starts here. Good afternoon again, Kate Turkington, High FM 101.9. Well, that was David Batsoff and I was talking to there, another adventurer, another traveller. And remember, you can talk to me, you can email me at kate at high.co.za or you can go to the main station website, highfm.com, if there's a place you'd like to go to place you'd like me to talk about. I haven't been everywhere, but I have been to a heck of a lot of uh, places. Or if you've got some comments, I'd love to hear from you. And if you want to see photographs of some of these places I talk about, like photographs of St. Helena or Namibia or any of the places I talk about, just go to my website, which is kateturkington.com. There's some brilliant photographs on there. Not the brilliant ones weren't have been taken by me. Mine are okay, they're workmanlike, but my daughter Tara is a fantastic photographer. And very many times I've been travelling with her and I have her uh, photographs. Or I've had a photographer with my group and I've been able to use their photographs. So that's kateturkington.com. Lovely pics of St. Helena. And if you do go on to it, you'll see exactly how dangerous that runway is on St. Helena. Okay, time for books. Books you can read when you're armchair traveling. Books you can read when you're stuck at an airport. Books you can read when you're on a train in an aeroplane whatsoever. And because a little bit earlier on I was mentioning Kruger, um, Straight Nature have come up with three little lovely field guides. They're very, very small. You can easily slip them into the side pocket of your car. Very, very accessible. And there are three of them. There's mammals of Kruger, trees of Kruger, insects of Kruger. So if there's a creepy crawly on the floor of your rondavel, you can actually check it out in one of these little books. So helpful. You get gorgeous photographs. You get a description. I've, I've, opened, a, I've opened the mammal one at mongoose, slender mongoose. That's a mongoose you see quite often in uh, cougar. It will say it's got a distinctive tail. That's what you look out for. Gives you a description, gorgeous photographs, and maybe best of all, it gives you viewing notes. So it always tells you where's the best place or the possible place uh, you might see. Uh, these animals. For example, a bat-eared fox. I've never seen a bat-eared fox in Kruger, but they actually say, the authors say, you might see it round the Taba when it's very, very uh, dry and active in the early morning and late afternoon. So really good tips. But the great thing about the guides, I say, uh there, published by Straight Nature, is their little, they're handy, they're not a great tome you've got to carry about. Trees, I'm, I'm reasonable at trees, I can do, I can do like, um, well I can do the baobab, I suppose we can all do the baobab, I can do the jackalberry, I can do some of those great riverine trees, I can do mapani, shepherd's tree, but again you can open so often, maybe, that's when, it's a bit like when you're birding. It's when you stop your vehicle to look for birds that that leopard walks out in front of you or that python slithers across the road. Start looking for trees, the umbrella thorn or the delagoa thorn or the jacket plum or whatever. Again, lovely pictures. It makes them so easy to identify and also tells you when Kruger you can see them. Insects, dung beetles. When um, I came home from the bush recently, we got a flat tyre. I won't go into the detail, but we were almost in the bush. And while others were changing the tyre, thank goodness, there was a new pile of dung by the road covered in dung beetles. And I was able, while they changed the tire, to stand and watch and take photographs of the dung beetles. By the way, there are over a thousand species 
of dung beetles, and they all specialise in different kinds of uh, dung. Ours will use cowpats, they'll use buffalo, they'll use elephant, they'll, they'll use anything. And you know what they do? They roll that ball. They make that ball of dung, and then they roll it along, and they find a little wife. Well, sometimes she's quite a big wife. The wife climbs onto the ball of dung. And as I was watching them, it's so fascinating to see. The male is rolling the ball of dung along because she's going to take it back into the bush from the dung pile. And she's then going to nest in it and lay her eggs. But as he rolled the ball of dung along, he never once rolled over his wife. I don't know how he did it. I mean, sometimes probably probably would have liked to have rolled over his wife. But so carefully navigating this beautiful ball of dung, rolling it so it never squashed her. She didn't move. It wasn't as if she was scrambling around trying to stay on the utmost side. She just sat there knowing she had a job to do in a little while, and he rolled it so beautifully. So the little book will tell you about dung beetles. You'll find them all over at the uh, moment. Tell you about different kinds of uh, beetles. Praying mantis, I think most of us could probably uh, identify. Part-time prawns. You don't see so many part-time prawns these days. I remember Years ago in Johannesburg, pork-time prawns used to be everywhere. But I suppose there are so many hardy dance now, which I love. I know a lot of people hate hardy dance. I love hardy dance. I think they're so, so uh, cheerful uh, always. And they look like flying pterodactyls, I always think. But these three little books will really make any trip, really, to the bush. If you're going to the low felt, not just Kruger... So it's mammals of Kruger, trees of Kruger, and insects and other creatures of Kruger. So at the back of the insects, well, I suppose butterflies aren't insects. You've got butterflies, you've got spiders. Um, if you see a spider uh, in your hut or whatever. So really nice little books to have with you and would make very good gifts for somebody who goes to the bush as well. Well, that's all we have time for this week. I've taken you to St. Helena, and I would really urge you, particularly if, you, on the one hand, if you're history buff, or if you're into outdoor sports, the hiking, the walking, the snorkeling, the diving, St. Helena, undiscovered, really, because hasn't been at all easy to get there in the past. But I say Air Link does have flights directly from Johannesburg to St. Helena now. We talked to travel writer David Batsoffen, and I've told you about these three little books from Strake Nature. So that's all for now. I'll be back next week. I hope you'll be back with me. Lots of love, lots of life. And travel safe, look after yourself, and look after others, too. From the highest mountains to the bluest seas, the driest deserts to the icy poles, Kate Turkington has traveled there. And now she's inviting you to travel with her through your radio. Travels with Kate is proudly brought to you with the compliments of Cape Union Mart. Kindle your spirit of adventure. The adventure starts here. Only on 101.9 High FM. Adventure. It's not some rare gene inherited by a few people. It's that human instinct to escape, explore and discover new places and experience new things. That's why at Cape Union Mart, we strive to awaken this adventurous spirit. Because the best gifts are not things, but moments you create with people who matter. Every adventure starts with Cape Union Mart, with gifts like Salomon, the North Face and K-Way Adventure Gear. Cape Union Mart, the adventure starts here.